You're listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity titled, Moderate to Severe Atopic Dermatitis, Expert Insights on Late-Breaking Data in Systemic Treatment, is part of the Conference to Clinic series and is provided by MedIQ and supported by an educational grant from Pfizer. To access additional activity details and earn CME credit, please visit reachmd.com CME. The presenters in this activity may reference unlabeled or unapproved off-label drug uses or products, and the disclosures for our faculty are as follows. Dr. Eichenfield serves as a consultant or is on advisory boards for Almerol, Asana, Cutanea, Dermavan, DS Biopharma, Forte, Galderma Laboratories LP, Glenmark, Insight Corporation, Elio Pharma Incorporated, Lilly USA, LLC, L'Oreal, Matrices Bioscience, Metametrics, Otska America Pharmaceutical Incorporated, Morphosis, Novan, Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation, Orthodermatologics, Valiant Pharmaceuticals International Incorporated, Pfizer Incorporated, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, and Sanofi Genzyme. Dr. Eichenfield serves as an investigator for AbbVie Incorporated, Elio Pharma Incorporated, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, and Sanofi Genzyme. Dr. Steingold serves as a consultant or is on advisory boards for AbbVie Incorporated, Arcutus Biotherapeutics, Insight Corporation, Elio Pharma Incorporated, Lilly USA LLC, and Pfizer Incorporated. Dr. Steingold receives fees for promotional and or non-CME activities from Pfizer Incorporated. Dr. Steingold conducts contracted research for AbbVie Incorporated, Arcutus Biotherapeutics, Insight Corporation, Elio Pharma Incorporated, Lilly USA LLC, and Pfizer Incorporated. There's been much excitement within the field of moderate to severe atopic dermatitis due to the recent release of Phase 3 data. Will these findings change the way this condition is managed? And if so, then how will these changes play out in clinical practice? Welcome to CME on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and joining me to share their insights on recent data and atopic dermatitis are Dr. Lawrence Eichenfield and Dr. Linda Steingold. Dr. Eichenfield is a professor of dermatology and pediatrics, vice chair of the Department of Dermatology, and chief of pediatric and adolescent dermatology at the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine. Dr. Eichenfield, welcome to you. Thank you. Happy to be here. And Dr. Steingold is director of dermatology clinical research and division head of dermatology in the Henry Ford Health System in Detroit and West Bloomfield, Michigan. Dr. Steingold, it's great to have you with us. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. So starting with you, Dr. Eichenfield, what are some of the most interesting studies in targeted therapy that have been presented during the last few months that will affect the atopic dermatitis field? Well, it's been quite a busy few months. It's so interesting that it coincided with COVID and the sort of decimation of our usual meetings, but data has come out in a variety of biologics and JAK inhibitors as well. And uh, these are really evolving the field. So can't go through all the details of the clinical data, but start off with what's new in terms of biologic agents. Probably the, the biggest thing in terms of expansion is a change in the indication of age for dupilumab, our first specific biologic agent for atopic dermatitis, now approved uh, down to age six. 
So we initially had adults, then we had our 12 to 17 expansion, and now down to six years of age. Uh, nice clinical trial data. The children, if anything, did better than the adults did. Interesting dosing as well for the lower weight children. They actually get a, a, the same loading dose as adults, a 600 milligram dose, but that is every four weeks that they get an injection of 300 milligrams, which means decreased shots, which is really quite nice. We've also had new information. So papillomab is an IL-4-13 blocker, blocks the IL-4 alpha receptor, but as a 413 blocker, there are two new, there's new data sets on specific IL-13 blockers, uh, trelokinumab and leprechizumab. Leprechizumab's in the process of doing their uh, phase three trials. We've got some further data on phase two. Trelokinumab has its phase three data that's out there, uh, not yet approved, but, but uh, data set both with and without the use of topical corticosteroids with uh, both a shorter term study and a one year uh, study. And then nemolizumab is an IL-31 blocker, which targets considered the itch cytokine. Just had a paper out of nemolizumab with topical corticosteroids and atopic dermatitis. Made the New England Journal of Medicine, Dr. Kabashima's paper. So lots of data coming out that may uh, uh, change our uh, our knowledge and in the future, hopefully, uh, access to different biologic agents and, and different ages. And turning to you, Dr. Steingold, what are your thoughts on the JAK-STAT inhibitors? Well, again, it's an exciting time in the field of the JAK and STAT inhibitors. Let's first just start by talking about what that actually is. And pro-inflammatory mediators and cytokines actually signal through different pathways on the surface of the cell. And the Janus kinase cellular signaling pathway is activated by these different cytokines. And the kinase family actually has four different enzymes. There's a JAK1, a JAK2, a JAK3, and a TIC2. And these four JAKs pair up in different combinations, and cytokines bind to different receptors. And we have these JAK inhibitors that actually block this pathway, and different drugs are targeted to different types of JAKs. Now, right now, we have three oral JAK inhibitors that have been studied in atopic dermatitis. These are all pills. The first one is baricitinib, and this is a JAK1 and 2 inhibitor. It's completed phase three clinical trials in adults. Um, in the United States, it was studied one milligram, two milligram versus placebo, and we saw easy 75 rates for the two milligram around 30%, which was higher than the placebo, about 8%, and a fairly good safety profile. Now, this drug is already FDA approved for rheumatoid arthritis, but that's in the four milligram tablet. We have abracidinib, which is selected for JAK1. This has completed phase three clinical trials. And in this one, it was studied all the way down to age 12. It was studied in two different doses, 200 milligrams and 100 milligrams. And in the higher dose, we saw easy 75 scores around 63. And in the lower dose, about 44% of patients had an easy 75. And then the final one is upatacidinib, which is also selected for JAK1. This also has completed phase three clinical trials, also studied all the way down to age 12. And this one also is approved for rheumatoid arthritis and the 15 milligram dose. Now we saw easy 75s in the higher dose, as high as about 80%, which was the 30 milligram, and in the 15 milligram, as high as about 70%. It's important to note that itch actually improves really within days with these drugs, and these drugs are not for patients who are pregnant. And how do you each envision the management of atopic dermatitis changing in the next several years? Let's hear from you first, Dr. Eichenfield. 
Well, yeah, happy to talk about that. I mean, I think, first of all, there's going to be a broadening of the patients who are going to get treated with systemic agents. So for one thing, as I mentioned already, we have, we have a change in age. I do think the inclusion now of the six-year-olds plus with systemic biologic agents is going to change the, the psychology around atopic dermatitis. Uh, for one thing, I think our, our primary care doctors aren't necessarily very knowledgeable about biologics for atopic dermatitis, um, but I think now they're going to hear about it. It's just going to be much more of a consideration in uh, moderate to severe patients, so it's going to change things. I also think that we're going to start to have uh, different uh, choices of medicines and relationships to whether we're going to do medicines for the long term or potentially short term, because I do think that the oral agents uh, might have some advantages for shorter term therapy, but I may defer to Dr. Steingold to talk about that. And how about you, Dr. Steingold? Well, I agree with Larry. I think as these drugs get FDA approved to lower ages, even our conservative dermatologists might be more comfortable starting to use the newer systemic agents. My question, we see the clinical trial data. We have to understand that that bar is so high. The definition of a treatment success in clinical trials means getting these patients who have had disease for most of their lives, who are covered with atopic dermatitis, all the way to clear or almost clear. So we have to remember that there are a lot of patients who are considered treatment failures in the clinical trials who actually in our practices would be thrilled with us. Imagine taking a very severe patient and getting them down to just mild disease. That's a clinical success, even though it wasn't a success in the eyes of the, uh, the clinical trials. So I think doctors are going to become more comfortable using these drugs, even in more moderate patients. For those of you who are just tuning in, this is CME on ReachMD, and I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle. And I have the pleasure of speaking with doctors Lawrence Eichenfield and Linda Steingold about moderate to severe atopic dermatitis. So Dr. Steingold, now that we've covered the data from recent clinical trials focusing on atopic dermatitis, what are some of their implications for clinical practice and patient selection? Well, the good news is we have choices. At this point, no one drug seems to clear all the patients, and we can't necessarily predict which drug is going to work. We know that some patients might prefer a drug that can be stopped and started. We know that some of our atopic patients tend to flare seasonally, and we know that if we stop, for instance, the JAK inhibitors, although the patients will probably lose some of their efficacy, there is data, at least with upadacitinib, that we can recapture clinical efficacy if we stop and start. So that's going to be important because with the biologics, we don't necessarily want to stop and start because we do worry about neutralizing antibodies. And what I'd say to anybody as we start to incorporate these new drugs read the label, you know, get familiar with the data. And maybe you might pick one drug, you know, one biologic and one jack that you kind of become more familiar with first, and then you can broaden out with time. I have to add on to that. Um, I do think that, so the biologic agents is the way they work, is that we, we have a tendency to antibodies, and, and we know with some biologic agents, the stopping and starting of medicines can induce more antibody to the drug. If they're neutralizing antibodies, then we can lose efficacy. So I haven't seen that that, that much in our relatively, you know, only a few years into the biologics, but it's definitely a concern. And obviously with, with an oral small molecule agent, it's a different thing. So that could be something that will change how we perceive of the drugs in clinical practice. But also I think we're going to have an increasingly high, higher standard of what we expect out of treatment. And so I think they're, they're, you know, we're going to be pushing patients to want to be 
mostly clear or clear. And, you know, we're not in the point where we do polytherapy with multiple biologics or biologics and jacks and such. That's a few years down the line at this point, but there's a lot of work that will be done. But, but I do think that we're going to be changing the sort of average state of what a moderate severe patient is over the next few years. And with that being said, Dr. Steingold, what are some strategies to help our listeners incorporate these emerging agents into clinical practice? So I think overall, these drugs are safe and effective, and they can be game changers for our moderate to severe atopic patients. And we saw that with dupilumab. You know, we saw patients getting under control that we just haven't been able to get under control with with other agents. So I, I would tell people to know what to expect. Advise your patient on the timelines. Know that itching will generally improve before the rash. Also, you know, become familiar with any potential side effects have patients watch out for infections, and understand the safety monitoring. We do know that some of the jacks, at least, are probably going to have some blood monitoring in the label. But if you ask patients, and I ask my study patients about this, they are happy to have their blood checked, especially if it means that they get their skin under better control. Larry, do you have any thoughts on this? I think that's a a really good point. I do think that we're going to have different risks with different drugs or at least potential side effects or toxicities. We also have the issue that some people have comorbidities, some related to atopic dermatitis and some comorbidities just because people have other conditions. And that'll probably influence the choice of the medicines. So I think everyone's going to have to get educated to, you know, what comes with each of the medicines in terms of side effects and toxicities. And that'll help the patient selection. And when comparing these medicines, Dr. Eichenfield, is it different when treating very young patients with atopic dermatitis? Well, the major difference is that the safety becomes big capitals in the word. And safety really will trump efficacy to a degree in the younger ages. And and, and that's not unreasonable, partially because we have less experience with the drugs because kids generally get tested after the adults and after we see that it's relatively safe in adults. And also because the whole immunology of three-year-old or a five-year-old, it could be very different than a 17-year-old, which is much more like an adult. So I think that the younger the age, the more we're looking for safety. But we also have the excitement of the big unanswered questions in atopic dermatitis, which is that if you have someone who's pretty severe and you treat them early on for a period of time with one of our new systemic agents, are you going to change the overall course of the disease or the development of other comorbidities? And there's a tremendous amount of promise there. And finally, can each of you share a couple of key takeaways with our listeners based on what we discussed today? Dr. Steingold, let's hear from you first. I would say demand more for your patients. We actually have the tools now to improve their lives and help our patients feel more normal. Don't underestimate the psychologic impact, especially for these moderate to severe patients, and realize that you're treating the entire family unit. So if you educate yourselves, you'll basically improve their lives. And Dr. Eichenfield, what two takeaways do you have? Uh, I I think number one is assess severity, and severity is not just what you see at one point in time, but really what the disease impact has been over time. That's the first. And the second is you have to help drive the change in patient expectation. Atopic dermatitis is different in other diseases in that there's been a lot of either alienation and frustration or accommodation with the disease. And we still have to get the messaging out that we can do a lot better now and bring patients along with us as we bring them into this journey of newer medicines that are going to change the course of their disease and their lives with it. 
Well, with that, I'd really like to thank my guests, Drs. Lawrence Eichenfield and Linda Steingold, for speaking with me and our ReachMD audience about how recent data in atopic dermatitis is impacting our clinical practice. Dr. Eichenfield and Dr. Steingold, it was great speaking with you both today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you. I really appreciated the opportunity. This activity was part of the Conference to Clinic series and was provided by MedIQ. Briefly, safety information about the drugs discussed include conjunctivitis and injection site reactions for dupilumab, nasopharyngitis for tralokinumab and leprechizumab, and injection site reactions with nemalizumab, nasopharyngitis and headache for abrocitinib and baricitinib, and upper respiratory tract infections for upadacitinib. Additional resources that include efficacy and safety data for the drugs discussed can be found on the podcast activity page. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. This is CME on ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.